I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use. Again, shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello everybody, welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Many thanks for joining us once again. And um, thank you for all the questions. Keep the questions coming. Next week's show will be our question and answer uh, edition. Um, Bodeo Gutwi joins us via Skype and Yemi Adisa is right here in the studio. And on this episode, we start with a somewhat unsavory story. Uh, not something we enjoy talking about, but it's an issue that we have to address nonetheless. Um, a couple of days ago, the president of Gabon Football Federation, um, Pierre Alain Nongwengui, I hope I got that right, was officially detained Taking him for interrogation. He's been held at uh, Libreville's major prison and he's yet to react after he was accused of covering up um, um, serial child abusers, serial pedophiles who are abusing under 17 footballers at the Gabonese national team. He's a major story. Um, he was reelected second president just a few days ago. And in his own case, he's not accused of being part of the abuse, but is complicit in covering up the abuse. The main officials who have been accused of um, raping and sexually abusing youngsters on the under-17 national team are uh, Sergio Mombo, who is leader of Gabon's Premier League, uh, Patrick Asomo, a former coach of Gabon's under-17 national team. He's been there probably all through his career. Ofe Mikala, former coach of Gabon's under-17 team, Fifer Mabika, former coach of Gabon's under-17 team, and Martin Avera, Taekwondo coach since the 1990s. All of these officials have been arrested, uh, and it brings to light the dangers of um, having a sports career for youngsters. There's always that danger. We hear Simone Biles, the US gymnast, who mentioned about her own abuse and a host of terrible stories. So let me start with Yemi, because you have um, a program you work with youngsters uh, some of them they come with their parents um, how do you protect because it's a very very disturbing story it's horrific for anybody that has a child um, even if you don't have a child you have a younger brother younger sister nephew niece for your child or your ward or whoever it is to be subjected to sexual abuse in camp or when they want and they're in such a at an age where some of them will just cover it up out of shame. Yeah. yeah. The betrayal of trust by these officials is the worst kind of betrayal. So how do you protect kids under these circumstances? Yeah, being with, with your experience of working with kids. Um, it's pretty difficult because um, there's sort of a thin line um, in issues like this. Uh, I think one thing is very critical and um, that's education. Mm. education across board, education on the side of the parents and education on the side of the child. The child needs to know that um, he or she needs to be comfortable enough to understand what constitutes abuse, mm. what constitutes uncomfortable, uh, some form of approaches. Yeah. Parents need to also be educated enough to know the signs. The signs. And in seeing the signs also relates to also 
having a good relationship with your ward, mm. with your child, a relationship whereby you're able to detect early once you see changes mm. in some of the attributes that you, you know, ordinarily will associate with your child. Mm. So you have instances maybe a child who is subjected um, to abuse starts mm. withdrawing. Withdrawing, yeah. Starts being distant, you know. In coming it, what makes it a lot difficult to come in is the fact that there's a huge trust element mm. that has to do with abuse. Mm. Now, most times related to sports, the coaches involved already hold a strong position in the mm. lives of the kids, of the kids yeah. that they more or less trust them with their entire being. Yeah. So when that trust is betrayed, it becomes a time difficult for the child to understand why this person has chosen to do this. Mm. So education also involves, has to involve the instructors, the coaches, yeah. the administrators, you know, and what have you, to know that, look, what you're doing is wrong. Some believe that it also forms some part of mentorship, you know, because it's mentorship in the sense of grooming. Yeah, grooming. grooming yeah. You know, so it's, it's a very, it's a slippery slope, but in detecting it, you need to, even you as an administrator that owns probably the academy, the school, needs to understand those warning signs. Yeah. You need to do proper, prop, unfortunately, we live in a country where, you know, uh, records are not one of our strongest, strongest points. So, you need to do a lot of due diligence. You know, understanding how does this person relate to children. Mm-hmm. And you know that one, the rules differ. What works for one child may not work for, may not work for the other child. Mm-hmm. So, you need to understand where to draw the line in some of the ways your instructors or your coaches deal with some of these kids. It's a very, very inexhaustible uh, conversation, mm. but it's something that I think the more we go on, we need to pay more and more and more attention to. to. All right, buddy. Um, the president of the Football Federation in Gabon, Nongwengui, uh, um, actually, he is accused of covering up. I mean, why would you want to do this. I mean, why? what is the thought process of somebody? And you know, if you remember, it happened, I can't remember the name now, but it happened in um, a college in America as well where there were decades and decades of covering up. It happened in English football. The, I think it's the, I'm trying to remember the name of the gentleman who I think has been sent to jail now yeah. for abusing boys over a long period of time. And you know, there's stories of so many boys who ended up probably attempting suicide after, I can imagine the shame and all of that. But why would this gentleman um, not, I mean, let me, uh, how do I put the question? When this kind of thing happened, why would you try to cover it up? Except you are probably complicit. I, I, I may be accusing him wrongly, but why would you cover up something as terrible as this? Um, did you, look, when the story came out and I saw um, the number of people that had tried to um, 
to alert uh, uh, the nation mm. because it, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's good to drag the man who was in charge and the man who had the power to investigate and prosecute people. But the way these stories, the way these stories unfolding, and from the stories that you have heard, I don't think there is anybody in the in the Gabonese soccer community, media, and most of the fans who is not aware that this is happening. Okay. And the fact that it went on for so long, mm. that's what bothers me, Denji. Because I look at some internationals who have spoken out uh, and, uh, and some who have been told, some who brought evidence and they were told that, hey, it's not enough. I look at the years where different people have spoken up and said, look, something is going on here. You know. And, um, uh, and I know that if they, are aware, if they are aware of it, why did it go on for so long? Because for me, that's what is staggering. Yeah. And that's, it, 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 it didn't go for so long. It, it didn't involve just one person. It involved several people. And I, I remember that um, a time when, um, I think it's, it's within women's football in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When, when, when something like this was going on. And we kept, look, the media, first off, I don't think there's anybody in Nigeria who said that too. It, 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 was, it wasn't discussed in the media. Uh, but I also know, I'm also aware, that people like China actually, my friend in Porter Court, China put together evidence yeah. and presented to certain people. That was one of the reasons why China left covering women's football. Mm. Because of what he heard, first hand accounts, and the frustration of nothing being done. And for me, I think this is the key here. We may be talking about the Gabonese safety chairman now. But it happens, it, it also happens in, in, in other places. Yeah. And it's, look, if, if, if it can happen, if we saw it happen, so we understand why it's not just one person. You know, if, if, if I can see any, any, um, just like China, just like China, just like we did, uh, on, 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 on different platforms back then, if we, if we can find one or two people in, in Gabonese media, they can say, look, this is happening. And these are the actors because not only the China uh, presented names of those involved that are named and the, and, the, and, and the young women that that came forward and, and told them stories. Uh, and so I'm not surprised that it, it goes on this long. It's because there was no accountability. Because when that uh, when the first person spoke up, if something had been done and the somebody else spoke up. And then it went on and on until we got to this point. And, and so, for me, as, I, I feel that it's a sub-Saharan African problem or an African problem. And uh, when people, because they're empowered, get away with things, you know. And I think it's it, it be open this way because somebody decided enough was enough, and mm. the, and, and and the and the uh, uh, the the user in Europe started started talking about it. If if, if the foreign media. I don't mm. pick it up. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because I also, I also suspect that it's, it's probably, this thing probably showed up in Gabonese media and, and, and they said, hey, you know what? It's not happening. There's something you can do about it. Yeah. And yeah. then it came to this one because, because the foreign media picked it up and it became international. That's yeah. why we are where we are at this point. And so, until we start seeing consequences yeah. of, even as, as little as anything, we are pain because this is big and people's lives have been involved. What about the other thing, 
we talk about corruption in Nigeria for, for, for many years, mm. <laughs> and there have been no consequences. People are arrested, put on fake trial. If I, pardon my, and then they are set free. And they say work among us, but see, it does happen just in sports. It happens in other areas of our lives, mm. and so because there have been, because there were no consequences, it, it, it kept snowballing. Mm. All right, Yemi. Um. Let me ask this question from a perspective of the athlete or the child themselves. Um, what kind of education or training can we put them through when they get, maybe we see that this child is becoming a talented uh, kid and he or she might have a future in sports and then they have to go into training camps and all of that. I'm thinking from the perspective of that child because most of them, Nobody said anything to them about this thing happening. Yeah. So when they go in there and it starts happening, for some of them, especially those who probably come from indigent backgrounds, who, are, who lack a lot of self-esteem, and they don't want to lose the opportunity, yes. so they clamor. And they keep quiet and they enjoy it. So what kind of orientation I think should be put in place officially now that once a child or a kid is invited to camp, there must be an orientation to say, look, these are the things that are not acceptable. If anybody does this to you, you have a right to come. Maybe you set up an independent body where the child or the kid can send a message to and say, this coach did this or this coach attempted to do that. I'm beginning to think that there should be a worldwide protocol for that, to protect kids because it's terrible to do this sort of thing with kids. Extremely terrible. Terrible is probably uh, one of the major reasons, the major issues has to do with the background of the kids. You know, more often mm. than not, those that play sports mm. come from indigenous backgrounds and yeah. uh, they believe that this is a huge opportunity for them. Mm. They don't and want I think to that's lose what it. the predators, oh, that's, so what course, that's what they play on. on. Yeah. So, you know, they, they don't want to lose the opportunity because of what they will call some kind of indiscretion. Mm. But you see, Part of the education has to do with, first of all, they need to understand their bodies. Yeah. You know, uh, you need to educate the kids to understand their bodies. You need to educate them to know that, look, there are certain parts of your body that shouldn't be, you know, made available or touched by anybody. anybody. You know, you need to know that once that is done, you need to ensure that the lines are clear. The reporting lines are clear. The sanctionable lines are clear for everybody within that organization so that once it happens, whoever is running the organization can quickly nip it in the board. The kids also have to know that even within themselves, you know, it's not just about mm. abuse coming mm. from mm. administrators, but within themselves, as kids, as players, as athletes, that certain parts, you know, certain things should not be encouraged in terms of uh, either physical, verbal, or whatever kind of assault, you know, within themselves as kids. Um, the education also is important for the parents, like I've said. But you see, one thing that is key is that once the reporting lines are blurred, I think that is where the major issue is. If the lines are very clear and they are easily assessed and the, the administrators have an open mind because one of the first issues victims have is a bit of victim blaming comes, victim mm, shaming shame. comes into it, where, you know, you don't, first of all, don't even trust the accuser, person making that accusation. 
So those lines have to be clear that give them the comfort to know that you have brought this case forward. It will be attended to, mm. irrespective of who it is or who is making the report. Once that is done, you have those clear sanctions in place, you take action. But the key issues, I think, for us in Nigeria, we need to have that implemented without, within the entire football pyramid. Mm. We have academies spread all over the country. Across, across the all issue. sports as well. You know, yeah, across all sports. So, we're talking from federation, from grassroots level, to federation level, and to the sports ministry, which organizes mm. um, sports as a whole. But if some have suggested that maybe there should be a worldwide or global certification for anybody that wants to work with kids in the sporting sphere, um, that you go through a particular day that you must have that certification to be allowed to have close contact with kids in the sporting sphere. Uh, the suggestion is that that works in the sense that that person, before you get that certification, must be put through all kinds of tests to ascertain that they are fit and proper to work with kids. Do you think this might help in a in a bit in a little way, or you think it's um, not worth uh, following that line? Of course, it, 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 it will help. But the thing is that uh, most sporting bodies are already uh, they are already budding with so many protocols and stuff that um, uh, that uh, uh, th th this might be a bit especially as you um, might have to start all, start several things all over again. But I think if if um, uh, uh, seeing where we are now, it is important to protect these children. Yeah. Um. Uh, then uh, did you, uh, I, to support what uh, you said earlier, sometimes this uh, um, uh, in Africa there are two things that are responsible for for for, for the silence. Um. When we talk about um, not wanting to lose the opportunity, the other one is that. You know what they say that um, uh, you don't have any money, and you say you have an idea. <laughs> money is when, when structured. Is it the money we use to? You know, so something, and because of the background, background of most of these people, yes. they want the opportunity, so they, they don't want to see anything. You know, that is one. The other is that this thing about about having a voice because the sound is rooted in our culture. When you have when when, when people uh, um, have means to more finances than you are, they tend to look down on you, mm. and this is what you don't see in some ways in a lot of Western cultures. Now, the level, when they, when they play field this level, when the justice system doesn't look at your fees as it were. If I'm a, if I, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a speaking, if, if I'm a just do that direct translation, just justice system does not care whether you are. Or this, at this social level or that social level. But you know, in Africa, sometimes, and that is why people are, people are not eager to speak out. Like a lot of these youngsters said, even if you talk about it, nothing will be done. Yeah. Because they, 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 they feel helpless. That is what you must try to remove. That helplessness. That, that, that helplessness that leads to uh, a lack of pity action on people who are in authority. You know, that is the major thing. Because no matter how much satisfaction you do, as long as people feel helpless and feel that people can we get in with stuff because of we are their society, then we can we can solve the problem. All right, I mean let's round this up now. Uh, finally, um 
the the predators, the perpetrators. Um, I know every country has their own rules and regulations and all of that, but what sort of punitive measures should sports take? I mean, I, I, I would suggest a lifetime ban uh, from ever having anything to do at any level of sport. Yes. And of course, apart from probably ending up in prison in their countries and all of that. But I still feel that there must be some psychological testing for anybody who wants to work with kids. I mean, to check whether those people are fit and proper to have content. Because we've had stories across the world where people knew that this person should not work with kids and they still allowed it. So what, what kind of checks can we put in place to avoid such gaps? First of all, the due diligence is key. And in doing those due diligence, you have to make sure all necessary regulations are followed in having those guys when they're, when they're getting, engaging them to work for you. Um, legally, from a legal perspective, a lifetime ban without a doubt. And also, uh, we're talking between 30 to a lifetime jail. jail mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think the stiffer the punishment, the more likely it is that people would uh, think, uh, twice. You know, think twice of doing the crime more more like. Okay. All right. Um, A very touching story, very unsavory story. Uh, we wish all the kids involved in this situation, both past and present, wish them all the best. Uh, hopefully, they'll get some help, uh, maybe psychological or therapeutical help to get through this situation. And we hope that all the perpetrators who are found guilty will face the music and we talk to, we are not appeal, we're telling uh, people in um, positions of authority, you can't cover this kind of scene up. I mean, consider the fact that you have a family of your own, you have kids of your own, and imagine this is your child that is being abused. So, uh, we don't want to hear this kind of, we don't see this kind of thing. We wait and see how the this Gabonese under-17 sex scandal will play out. Definitely, some heads will roll, and we hope that it will serve as a deterrent to future um, occurrences of things like this. Talking about heads rolling, heads never tend to roll in Nigerian football at all. Uh, like Yemi says, we are in a country of no consequences. consequences. People do all sorts of things and they get away with it. No consequences. Since Nigeria played the game against Ghana in Abuja and all kinds of things happened, all the minister did was set up a panel of inquiry or whatever the panel was and I was like, I remember I was saying here that what's the point of, no, not here on our radio show what's the point of a panel? You set up a panel, the same money and all that, we don't know whether panel has sat, we don't know whether anything has been done, but like Buddy always likes to say if FIFA, if you don't hear from FIFA if you, uh, FIFA doesn't hear from you, you will hear from FIFA <laughs> so we have heard from FIFA FIFA has ordered that Nigeria will play, and Senegal as well will play one match uh, in a an empty stadium behind closed doors and a fine of 150,000 Swiss francs which is about 64 million naira for a federation that says they never have money um, Senegal is not but let's leave Senegal it's not our business um, so because of the fracas that ensued after the Nigeria uh, Ghana game in Abuja buddy I something just told me not to go for that game <laughs> and maybe I was right. Um, we're all right. For those who were there, especially our good friend Calvin Emeka, even before, as the game, before the match, he had been tweeting and all that, and he was like, 
the arrangement for this is atrocious. Um, the organization was terrible. And I think that was the ministry that... Uh, the first thing that gave me... Uh, that, that, that put fears in my mind, but it was the fact that AIT <laughs> were granted the ticketing rights for that match. AIT is a broadcast organization. I don't know AIT to be a hospitality company. And we were told that AIT bought the uh, rights to the gate, whatever arrangement they had. So, is it so difficult for us to organize to organize a football game properly to the extent that there was there was apparently no crowd control. There were the, the um, protocol going to the stadium. People could not get their seats. Is it rocket science, buddy? Because um, you get the feeling that, like, no consequence, but you get the feeling that at this stage, we should be much better than this. And that was the point I made um, with the article I wrote after that um, after that game about the greatness. Yes. The greatness of uh, of um, uh, Amadou Amadou himself. You see, the, the, when 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 um, things like this happen, you know, first off, uh, let me put a disclaimer here. We are not saying that Nigeria should qualify for every tournament. Yeah. That is not the point because Egypt are not going to the World Cup, but but lives, their lives will continue. Their league will keep making money. Their players will keep making money. Um, the Egyptian FA, just like the others who will not qualify, who did not qualify, like the Italians, all their eggs are not in one basket. So life will continue, and so we are not saying the most that Nigeria was there at every tournament, but there are things that you need to pay attention to. And this is what, uh, and that is what this incident has underlined, and the reaction from from FIFA. When we fail to qualify for tournaments, the first line of attack is the coach, mm. and then the players, and then the media, because we get, we get dragged 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 into it. But like I said in that uh, in, in that piece about about how you it, there are always always other factors mm. that come into play before a team can be can have a semblance of guarantee of success or before before a nation can have a say and when we say success success is not defined in one way there are yeah. different ways yeah okay and so here, here we are the shambles on the day should tell you that that off statement we gave the team everything they need <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> if you can't handle the simple matter of getting people into the arena and out of it, and you're telling me that those organizations that couldn't handle that logistics, that they are perfect in other logistics, there's something wrong. So I'm saying it to Puli today. And you have more federation and I'm going to be lying was and we'll be telling you the lie. Because you receive everything they need. Because, hey, it's, 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 this is a part of a whole. Because since the players get to the arena that day, and they are, they, they are, they are looking at the kills that are suffering around them, and they are telling me that their minds are set to, to, play, to play a game of that, of that importance. I also tell you that you are lying. Mm. I said, for me, 
look, like we keep saying, you have to look at everything that we do. Everything. First off, we claim that and, and if this happens in football, what about the other ones that we don't even pay that they, that the ministry doesn't even pay attention to? Yeah. That a lot as well funded. This is supposed to be the king of us, but not the prince, the king of Nigerian sports that get every attention. And time and again, we see chaos. First off, if it's not if you if you said the seventeen team, it's the twenty team, but the women's team, they don't even mention their their own uh, 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 teams. And 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 yet, and, and the ministry and the ministry and the and the come and they come and say we give them everything they need. It's not you are lying. And so yes, we have heard from FIFA. We respected it. Um, uh, um, uh, the, the, the lines of communication and uh, the, the lines of um, of um, of authority were blocked several times. The ministry will say, the ministry will say, oh, fire the coach. Go fire the coach. We won't give you money. Like, oh, it's a, it's a job to that. And then and it goes on and on and on. And it's all, all comes down to people wanting to be more important than they really are. Because the major actors here are the, uh, are the players on the pitch and the fans who support them. Every other person, the NFL president, they should be in the background doing their work. Yeah. The rest you see and know that you are there, you have failed. It's as simple as so the minister to leave if nobody has told you before you are hearing it from here. The moment you become the central attraction, you are failed because you're not supposed to be. Yeah. It's not it's not about you, right? Actually. <laughs> uh like you said, it's about the players and the, the fans. You know, you know, but made a point about if if you notice successful football clubs, be they national team, be they club sites across the world, there's but they mentioned it and that's what I believe. There is a trend. Things work collectively as a unit yeah. off and on the pitch. If there's a disconnect somewhere, it's not likely to be successful. I think that's what we're witnessing. Yeah. And for you to underline how important it is, so also on how important this is, but they will remember this game I'm going to talk about. Yemi might be too young to remember it. Um, the first time Nigeria nearly qualified for the World Cup was the World Cup in 78. Uh, was Argentina 78. And we needed... I think we needed a win against Tunisia at home. Uh, that was 1977. And Sheg I mean, the former captain, Big Sheg, uh, big brother to all of us, told the story of how, I think it was Sheg Wadegbami or Aduki, I can't remember which of them told the story, of how, you know, on the morning of the game, the NFA then, in his infinite wisdom, decided to double gate fees. <laughs> so, the fans were... Uh, just to underline what Buddy said about once there is a kind of discontent or unease in the in the stands, it affects the players. Of course, and the fan the, the fans got were very angry about it. Most of them had to find a way to pay because it was when they got to the stadium. It wasn't even announced before they got to the stadium. They were wanted to pay their ten naira. They discovered they was twenty naira, something like that. So well, everybody paid, and there was anger in the stands. And I think it was Aduki that said that when the team now lined up and got into the field. They heard the Nigerian fans uh, uh, cheering the Tunisians and booing them. I'm booing them. And it was like, he said, they looked around and realized, what's going on? We're in Lagos. Of course, the team didn't know anything about the gateway issue. And he said, the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we were, we were in a trance. We didn't know what happened and the Tunisians took over the game and the team never recovered and that was the famous game where Odie scored an own goal and Nigeria got knocked out and all of that. Just to learn what they said about that. 
and 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 today on our lips today. It's today that nobody talks about. Nobody remembers the fact that that was actually what happened that day. That they just doubled the gate fees or fairly unnecessarily because they wanted to milk. They knew that France would come and all of that. This was probably the other end where they threw gates open. Somebody said, if you throw gates open, you are going to get all kinds all of kinds street punches. Yes, with all due respect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it comes to the point so where it comes to the point where, and I think there is a reflection of even fans in Nigeria. What happens in our MPFL is a reflection. Oh, yeah, because people have... get on the pitch, they slap players. It, it's like the fans and officials feel they can do what they like. So, because in the MPFL, it's like you don't train your child at home. Your child will go out and misbehave. Because you don't control these issues locally, a lot of people get away with it. That's what's reflected. And no, no consequences. And no consequences. No consequences. So, what do we say to um, people who need to put these things in place? I mean, it's not rocket science. That stadium has a big, uh, big outer space. You can put a perimeter out there. These things are not rocket science so that before you even get to the main arena, you know, I, I watched the Nigeria uh, Mexico friendly in Texas uh, 2013 and it was like one kilometer to the main bowl where you were uh, you were screened with your ticket and gotten and you know, but here we are no consequences minister, then NFF tells you we give them everything, trying to absorb themselves Trying to push the blame to probably the team or the coach, or uh, it was they will say more sports ministry was done that organized it. It's rubbish, like what they said. It's absolutely rubbish excuses. Because at this stage, why can't you organize a simple football game, get fans in, get them out safely? It's it's not rocket science, you know what I mean? If we are being sincere, one of the first things you need to concern yourself about is that what amount of investment goes into putting a match together. Mm. So if I'm an investor and I'm buying the rights to Who is even buying the rights? How can AIT buy rights to ticketing? AIT is a TV station. That's what I'm saying. So who is that investor? So if I'm, if I have the, the capacity, the capabilities, I have the, uh, the know-how to manage a match, first thing is, what is the consideration for who eventually buys the rights? Mm. Now, the process of putting together a football match, one football match, mm. involves so many people. So you are talking from the so-called stewards to the traffic police to the main police to your NFF, your supporters club, the players, sports ministry. In fact, I can, I can go back to a game that was played in the Premier League a few years ago, I think under Van Hal, Manchester United versus West Ham, that the Manchester United team boss was attacked. Mm. There was a huge riot in London. The boss was attacked. United lost that game that day. Mm. Because you can imagine the psychological effect they had on the players. Yeah. Because the, of the reception they got on those, there was a breach in security that day. So once there's a breach, of course it's going to have a rippling effect. But back to the competence or whoever it is you give the entire job of organizing organizing a match. What's the competence of the people ticketing? In fact, I had people calling from Abuja, calling us in Lagos, that please, do you know 
who is handling so and so? Do you know who is handling so and so? I need extra ticket. I want to buy this ticket. To... The people that bought VIP tickets that sat on the floor. Yeah. So the first question is what is the competence of the people you are giving the match to? One, two, what kind of training do our match day security people, what kind of training do they get? From the stewards to the policemen. If a second question, how many policemen do you get? The standard says, I think, 50 to 60. And I always will use Copa Legos as an example because I worked actually on that event. We used to have 50 to 60 policemen. They used to have 50 private security men in addition. In addition. And that is a small event, tournament event compared to an international match, match of that match in a 30, 40,000, 60,000 capacity, capacity stadium. And you put that amount of work into it. But here, you don't do that. And the reason for this, and that's what I was saying from Sports Express this morning, that I felt if I were lenient because yes, I felt I, that. I felt so too. They should have the, the punishment is lenient. Other things in peace, like one, we need to know who's responsible, who was responsible for ticketing, who was responsible for security. Who was responsible for, you know, the on-field coming out the fans from coming to the center? They had the same, there needs to be some form of naming and shaming. Yeah. Then the sponsors will not tell us, okay, the people that are involved, so and so happen. So you were involved in ticketing, you know straight away, two year ban. They can never have any access to buy Super Eagles or any international or any sports event in the country until they do so, 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 and so. So many things go into trying to put this thing together. A lot of education is also involved. We always also, even though I, more food than I don't agree with you, but you say sports is a microcosm of what happens in the mm. country. So you also want to say the overall frustration of the economic situation in the country, the only thing that gives us uh, joy which is watching the Super Eagles play, they don't mess up on the they day. That, they can't we decide to, <laughs> to take it out on, you know, the environment. Now we're going to use taxpayers' money mm. to go and pay a fine. Mm. Come on. We could have done the right things yeah. before that, that part. It's yeah. not, uh, that is not available. I'm, I'm sure the payment of that money will also lead to some controversy. Of course, you will see between the they will be pushing it between the <laughs> NSF and the sports ministry. But this one, they have to be. But a final note on this one: How do we educate Nigerian fans to know that you are never going to win all the time? No, even if you have the best team in the world, there are off days. You are going to win some, you are going to lose some. And like I said the other time, I think it it devolves from the NPFL and yeah. when fans do things and get away with it, that's what we carry to the national stage because yeah. it was frustration and they took it out on... I was at the stadium. Something similar happened. But what I liked about that one was that, well, I don't like it, but it was better in the sense that it was a Nigerian team that was attacked. I think the day we failed to qualify under something, uh, I can't remember. I think it was Guinea. That came, I, I can't remember in Abuja. And that, then the fans waited for the Super Eagles players. They went to wait by the bus. <laughs> and I think that some of the players were... Coming out of the way, <laughs> you know. So, how do we? What kind of education do we need? Because this is across board now. This thing happens at all levels of Nigerian football. Yeah, 
home teams feeling that they have a God-given right to, right to win. And if it doesn't happen, it's either they attack the opposing team or they attack the referee. Yemi was saying it on the radio show this morning. It happened recently in Lagos, <laughs> MSM game. Some guy walked onto the pitch. How do we... I mean, what can we do about this? Because honestly, I'm at a loss. First off, um, we've got to have consequences. We're still getting get around that. Um, if, 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 there, if there are surveillance uh, equipment around the stadium, and you pick out the faces of people, mm. yeah, exactly, because we are, we are just not ready for this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Pick out faces of people and prosecute them. That, that's the first thing. Secondly, AG, the things we see and do before a game or before events to set the tone. NFL president went <laughs> on air. <laughs> somebody <laughs> asked him, what if we lose? Mm. And the arrogance yes. and the lack of respect for the Ghanaian team. I mean, that body, what, what message does that send to the fans? How, how can you even think of losing? Mm. As if losing is not part of the game. Yeah. We, make it, we make it as if as if it is not a part of sports. Yeah. Losing is a part of sports. Yeah. And so, even if you cannot do honest analysis, start with that. Look, it's a game, anything can happen, but... But I say, I, 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 hey, how, how can you think? How can I really lose? And then we went to the Nigerian. But that was the most ridiculous answer I've ever heard in all my entire life of following football. So, so talking about Nigerian bilateral relations with Qatar. For those of us in the media, we've got to let people know that even the underdog. Sometimes they have it's we have this day. Yes. Everything just deleted Chelsea. Mm. It was it was look, I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of tickets went to pieces back because of that one game. <laughs> and it and it happened again and again every week. And, and Aston Villa defeated uh, so Bar- know, Aston Villa defeated Bayern Munich in nineteen eighty what was that? We are still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> Forty years later. <laughs> so yes, it is. There is a possibility. Yeah. First, you got to, and that's what you got to educate the fans that you can lose, mm. and then those who are in charge must be also be able to admit that it is possible. Okay. Even if you, are, you don't sit openly, that say, how can you? Mm. <laughs> Honestly, the time no, the Africans is yeah, you know you know we said even about the final. And the, the, I don't know where Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. is, we're a good footballing country. We're not a great footballing <laughs> country. I'll continue to say that we're good. We're decent. We've been to a few World Cups. We won a few Nations Cups. Like I always say, the people were, we were being arrogant towards Ghana. Ghana won in last Nations Cup in 1982, 40 years ago. 1982. 40 years later, we have not passed Ghana's record at the Nations Cup. We are on three. They are on four. They won the fourth one 40 years ago. So we need to have a semblance of. Um, Introspection and humility about where we are as a footballing um, country. And we've got, we've produced some great footballers, but we are not there yet as a country in terms of achievement. In, talking about um, national teams, let's go to the Tigers. And a former the Tiger is doing great things on the American football scene, uh, American basketball scene, I beg your pardon. His name, of course, is Ime Udoka, uh, who represented the Tigers at Afro Basket, winning a bronze medal twice in 2005 in Algeria and 2011 in Madagascar. He had a, not what you call a top-notch basketball career, but he did play for some NBA teams, LA Lakers, uh, played for the New York Knicks, 
Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio Spurs. I think he won a ring with San Antonio Spurs. But he will correct me if I'm wrong there. And um, his coaching career as well. Assistant coach at San Antonio under Greg Popovich for seven seasons. And it looks like he's learned very well there. Yeah. Assistant coach for Philadelphia, San Francisco, Brooklyn next. And he was on, in 2021, he was appointed head coach. June 28, 2021, appointed head coach of the Boston Celtics. Um, he's the fifth head coach of African origin in Boston Celtics history. And um, at the moment, they are down one game in the semifinals of the conference against the defending champions, Milwaukee Bucks. But, but my take is this. Even if they go ahead to lose against the Bucks, which is possible, um, how do you rate? Or, let me put it this way. What, 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 did, you, what did you think of the appointment when the Boston Celtics went for Emil Doka at that point in time? What did you think of that appointment? Uh, first of all, he, 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 he didn't really win a ring with the sports. The year, the year I played for the sports, um, I think uh, LA Lakers won the NBA championship, I think. Uh, okay. uh, no, um, uh, Dallas Mavericks won the NBA championship in the 2011. Okay. Um, right. So he did But first, he... he Professor Omar Sagi, that yeah. lives in Houston here. Yeah. I think it was a couple of years ago. We were having a conversation, and he said, and he said that um, for Emil Doka at, at that time there were um, there were some openings, there were some there were some there were, some, there, were there were open coaching openings at some franchises, and a lot of a lot of names are coming up, and his name wasn't mentioned, um, and and they, uh, um, they said, look, there's something wrong. If somebody of immense caliber is not getting a mention, mm. and then he went to to read all his um, uh, to, to read his, uh, his, um, his resume, what he has done as an assistant coach, and that he was under the Popovich and all that, and then he went on to name all the all, all the coaches that had been tutored, mentored by Popovich, and I went on to land a top uh, coaching job. And I said, look, he may have spent a lot a lot more time than some of these people. In fact, some that were under him in the pecking order were getting mentions, and that was what. Um, um, uh, almost, uh, almost like he was was upset about that. Look, if these guys can get mentions, why not? So I am not surprised that he got the call. What I'm surprised, surprised about it was that he got a call uh, to lead one of the storied franchises yeah. in the league. If you know the history of the Boston Celtics, you know that it's mm. a huge, huge job. Yeah, huge job. It's just like uh, someone getting the Manchester United job in England. Yeah, um, that's one of the biggest teams. So Liverpool job, not City, not Chelsea. Those are new <laughs> money. You know. So you had to go there. You I, just I, had I, to I go there. I, can, I, can, I won't let it slide. <laughs> I won't let it slide. <laughs> so, so for him to get that call, for, for, it is the it is the, the franchise that showed me that he got the call to 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 that franchise. He has paid his dues. He has landed on one of the very best. And he has shown in what he has done thus far. I remember when he got his first win, um, in front of his sister was with him that, yeah. um, that, um, on, mm-hmm. on that road trip and she celebrated it. And then one, he got his first win, he led them into the playoffs and then they, are, they won their first race. Now, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Nick Noss was a rookie coach. Yeah. When Toyota Raptors won it all. Yeah. 
So Mercedes has not done anything special. We agree. But McLaws didn't land the job to lead a storied franchise in the NBA. And for me, that is the major thing takeaway. And, and I, I think you don't need to go and stop. No matter what happens in, 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 yeah. uh, in, uh, in, in this season, he has fulfilled the basic requirements. Yeah. He has won them enough games together in the playoffs. He has gotten them past a first round series. Mm. And I think that should be celebrated. And of course, um, no, no. None other than the Brooklyn Nets. Where that, despite all their troubles, there was still some doing to sweep the Nets yeah. in um, the first round. To sweep, yes. That also is to sweep. That was good. Okay, yeah, I mean, um, you, you, you find out that um, uh, when they say pay your dues, um, is in any sphere of human endeavor, it's a, it's a huge statement. Yeah. You know? So, Emil Doka, like Buddy has pointed out now, he paid his dues working under a lot of people. And then, you know, Boston Celtics made the call. A lot of people were surprised. He struggled a bit at the start. I remember the mm. night he was, coincidentally, the night he was appointed, I was hosting an event for the Nigerian Olympians Association in Abuja. And his sister, Unfo, was there. And when the news came through, I actually made the announcement to the packed hall and everybody was excited. And like, we all congratulated Unfo on that appointment on the day he was appointed at 28th of June thereabouts. And Info was actually in Nigeria for the Nigerian Olympians Association uh, launch. So, you know, this is somebody that has very, very good links with Nigeria, like we said, play for the Tigers. So, when he was appointed, when people like that are appointed, uh, you know, we cannot say that, uh, I don't want to use the word racism, but it, it's, it's a bit, it's generalized in sporting sphere, even though basketball uh, there's a bit more, more openness in basketball yeah. because of the number of black and uh, African players who are in there. But you do get the feeling that you have to, as somebody with that background, you have to work doubly hard to impress. And for him to put up, put together, I guess he learned that from Bodil's coach, Greg Popovich, the best defensive record yeah. in the league, the best defensive player in the league, Marco Smart from and then we said to sweat, the way he swept the nets, the way they kept uh, KD. I think KD only scored 30 plus points once <laughs> in that series. And after the first game, I think uh, was in the career, even went silent as well. So, how would you rate the job he's done with the Celtics this season? I rate it very high. Probably out of a scale of uh, uh, 1 to 10, I'd probably give him an 8. Mm. And just like what he said, I was quite surprised that uh, he, he landed that Boston Celtics job because yeah, there were probably other coaches who uh, the Celtics who probably have more experience, who must have been much more appealing than quote unquote a rookie mm-hmm. coach, and they took the plunge. You know, they, they decided to take the gamble with him. And one thing that I, that I would say has been a huge effect has been one, like you mentioned. Uh, Marcus Smart being defensive player of the year. Mm. The comments Jason Tatum made before the season started saying he wanted to be top five player in the NBA. He wanted to be in the running for MVP. And also was supposed to make the defensive team of the year. Interestingly, he's virtually been in that conversation, mm. you know. So he's built that, that franchise to have a lot more confidence in themselves. They don't actually have any core superstar, mm. right? Yes, you have your Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, 
That's my first it's more of a team. It's more of a team. And the team ethic is very clear. The defensive side of the game is very clear. Well drilled. Even though, yes, like we said, it came against the box, you had giants. Giannis, but you can see the work that is being done, and with, a, with the help of a few really good smart trades mm, in the future, mm. you can be sure that they finish second yeah. in the East, yeah. despite a poor start yeah. to the season. So you can already see the amount of work that is doing and how well it is well received. The way they played the Brooklyn Nets showed a lot of confidence. You, you know how hard it is to guard Kevin Durant yeah. Yeah. and limiting him, limiting his influence. And after the first game that Kawhi had a really good, mm-hmm. uh, Kawhi had a really good game, the remaining part of the series, yeah. he went quiet and he went to a lot of you know, criticism from even the fans that he had to make funny gestures. So his impact, his imprint is already on this team. The future is definitely bright mm. with a few Smart trades along the way. You'll be surprised if the Celtics get to the finals and they're competing for the title. But as it is, they are one game down against the Milwaukee Bucks. By the time this podcast uh, drops your way, the probably have played. game two will have been played. So we don't know how that pans out. But um, like I was discussing this topic with Yemi before we decided on it, I was like, even if they lose to the Bucks, um, what do you think the reaction to Emil Doka would be even if they lose to the Bucks? What do you think the reaction to Emil Doka would be? And do you think he would get the job long term? Because I'm not sure the length of his contract, but do you think they'll persevere with him uh, from here on out? I think so, because uh, like I said, I think he, he, he has already delivered um, this season. Um, they're, up against the world, they're up against the world channels and they know did you, did you say um, world champions? Stop that in those Americans. Say. Yes. They're American champions, not world champions, please. All you Americans will be telling you, win one title in America, they say you're world champions. <laughs> <laughs> no comments. Go ahead. Have you, have you finished? Yes, yes, I've finished. <laughs> the working boss are said, US <laughs> champions, not, not world champions, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so you, you know they, they know the enormity of the past. Uh, one of the biggest mismatches that they are going to have is with Yanis in the paint. Uh, it's it's uh, it's 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 the MVP, no uh, no no less. Um, uh, they know how difficult it's going to be. Uh, the, the odds are not in their favor, even from the onset. Uh, they are expected to lose this game. So if they win, it will be massive. It will be although they are, although they are the better seeded team, yeah. but mm. the odds are not in their favor. So I do feel that um, I, I, I don't think it will affect. I, I think uh, I don't think if they lose to the box, it, it will affect anything. Um, but I don't think they, I don't think they will be swept though. Uh, mm. That's if they don't win because like like I said earlier on, on, on this on, on, on this podcast, it's, in, it's sports. Anything, anything can happen. Can happen. Sports. Uh, I think he has already. I think he has already delivered on what he's promised. I think he'll be fine. He's earned it definitely. Emil Doka. He's yeah. done well. Uh, we talked about Emil Doka's rise as a basketball coach. Long may it continue, and it looks like it is it, the start of what will be a long and very successful 
coaching career Ufumi in the NBA. Ask right. Mm. You can convince him to, to come, come and, and coach Nigeria. Like can you pay him? He's an NBA coach now. I'm not sure you have that kind of money. <laughs> okay. So we wish Emil Doka and the Boston Celtics all the best for now and the future. Uh, interesting in my brother's school, the Boston and all that. So uh, the only NBA venue I've been to is the TD Um, That's the only venue I've watched basketball. I know, I know nobody has been to almost everywhere. Please don't say anything. <laughs> we know you have been everywhere. But the only one I've been to has been the TD Garden. I wish Emil, so I'm a sentimental Celtics fan. <laughs> so I wish the Boston Celtics all the best. I wish Emil Doka a long, long and checkered career. On that note, we end for Sports Racing Podcast for the week. Next week, we will address your questions and answers. A lot of interesting questions from across the world. We'll talk about them. Some very interesting. I, I feel like shifting some of the questions that I acted at me to some of you guys. <laughs> I present as if I'm the guest. I'm the host. I'm the main host. But we'll answer those questions in next week's episode. Uh, Sports360Port underscore on Twitter is where you can join us or meet us on Sports360Port on Instagram. That's our Instagram address. Don't send any more questions. We have all the questions we need. We'll answer those questions next week. It drops every Thursday, 12 noon Nigerian time. My name is DJ Jomato Imbo. Bori Ogutui and Yemi Adesan have been my co-hosts. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.